Hello, and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 128. Today we are going to continue the Alderettas, but before we get into that, a little bit of quick station news. If you want to check out my website, feel free to do so, and you can find that at Hugenhoff Podcast. That's not the website. You can find that at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe for the to the podcast and maybe also check out Steve's books, which you can find at Amazon. Just look for Stephen Oaks. He's got a number of books. I have a book there as well called Lightbringer, and you can certainly check it out. They're not Austro-themed themed so much. Well, some of... Steve's books actually are Austro-themed, but they're not Austro-themed so much as they're just books that I do on the side, and he does on the side, so check them out if you want to. Hopefully you'll enjoy them. Uh, Anyway, let's just go ahead and jump right in today's topic, because there's a lot to go over. Uh, We are not even a quarter of the way through this book, so this series is going to take a while. And that's partially because I am letting myself go on tangents, and when I come across something that I think is interesting, that sparks another conversation, I'm going down that rabbit hole. It's not so much to go over just the Edda, but things brought up by the Edda. So just so you're aware, this series is probably going to go on for a while. I don't know how long, um, very possibly the rest of the year, but I don't really have a time limit and I don't even have anything planned to come next to it. So I'm kind of taking my time with this one. All right, with all that out of the way, let's just go ahead and jump into it. And uh, I think we're talking about the creation myth of the world. So we'll pick up there. Norfi and Narfi was the name of the giant who lived in giant or Norfi or Narfi was the name of the giant who lived in Giantland. He had a daughter called Night. She was black and dark in accordance with her ancestry. She was married to a person called Nagalfari. Their son was called Odd. Next she was married to someone called Anar. Their daughter was called Yord earth. Her last husband was Deling. He was of the race of the Aesir. Their son was Day. He was bright and beautiful in accordance with his father's nature. When then all father took night and her son Day and gave them two horses and two chariots and set them up in the sky so that they have to ride around the earth every 24 hours. Night rides in front of Knight rides in front on the horse called Rimfaxi and every morning he bedews the earth with the drips from his bit. Day's horse is called Skinfaxi, Shining Mane, and light is shed over all the sky and sea from his name. So here we sort of get the personification of night and days and the people who are over that. Um, let's just go on. Then spoke Ganglary. How does he control the course of the sun and the moon? Hi said, there was a person whose name was... Mundil Fairy, who had two children. They were so fair and beautiful that they were so fair and beautiful that he called the one moon and his daughter Soul or Sun, and gave her in marriage to a person called Glen. But the gods got angry at this arrogance and took the brother and sister and set them up in the sky. They made Soul drive the horse that drew the chariot of the sun, which the gods had created, to illuminate the world. 
out of the molten particles that had flown out of the world of Muspel. The name of these horses are Arvac and Alsven. Under the shoulders of the horses, the gods put two pillows to cool them, and in some sources it is called Iron Blast. Moon guides the course of the moon and controls its waxing and waning. He took two children from the earth called Bill and Hyoki as they were leaving a well called Big Greer, carrying between them on their shoulders a tub called Sag. Their carrying poles was called Simu. Their father's name is Vidfiz. These children go with moon as can be seen from earth. Okay, that was kind of a lot. It's interesting how much uh, time they're giving the sun and the moon, but I suppose that is one of the things that all people would see, and it's a good way to um, describe these different deities and things that are associated with it. So, um, first of all, I do think that it's kind of interesting that night is the mother of the sun or it's just cool how the day and the night are connected and i feel like this comes up in lots of places lots of religions whatever that the sun and the moon are connected with one another so it's kind of cool to see it here as well um so what do I say about this? I mean, you can kind of see the idea that the day is the quote-unquote more beautiful one. The sun has like the beauty that's in accordance with his father, which is day. And I suppose this is probably the case because in the past, day is the time that everything would get done and the sun would shine so crops can grow, etc. So day is always going to be the really important time and night... <clears throat> It's kind of going to be less important, but it's kind of going to be scary, like, depending on how far you go back into history. Well, I don't know, even today to an extent. The night is scary, because in the old days there'd be animals and stuff like that. But also, you just can't see as well, and for that reason, I assume. And because people are asleep, that's probably the bigger reason, like, people can rob your house. A lot of crime can happen at night. And in the old days, you could be attacked by animals at night. Granted, you could be attacked by animals in the day, but I feel like it was a bigger danger at night, and you couldn't see them coming, and you can't see anything, and, and all of that stuff. So you really have this um, split between day and night, and day being the quote-unquote good one, and night being the quote-unquote bad one. Um, Maybe bad's the wrong word because it's, it's it's necessary, and they're not saying anywhere here that that um, the daughter night was evil. They're just saying that it's different, but they they really do seem to be implying not that night is bad so much as day is better. They're pretty strongly implying that day is better, and I think that's just because you have all this stuff about day of you need the day to survive. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Okay, and then second, like I said, there's a lot in this one. Second, there's this quick story they say where this person had two children and he like named his daughter Sun, like named him, named his daughter after the sun, and the gods 
because she was like as beautiful as the sun and the gods took that to be arrogant so like sort of as punishment um they they set her up in the sky well her so it was her and her brother she was called sun and her brother was called moon i think but they set him up in the sky as punishment for their arrogance so this comes up often in stories too that just people will have a huge amount of hubris and compare themselves or in this case their children to deities or to the gods and then they're usually punished for that so i guess there's a lesson in there a lesson about humility um but that's interesting because we also are allowed to be proud of ourselves and should be proud of ourselves but so like where's that where's that line for example if you called your son thorson which kind of means son of thor you could say oh that's being arrogant because you're comparing yourself to thor but i think most people would say and i think the gods would think you're just comparing your son to thor and saying that there's a connection between your family and thor and it's like honoring him or being nice to him so i think that this line of like what is hubris and what is just being proud of who you are or your accomplishments or the beauty of your children like where is that line i think that's really hard like is it okay to name your daughter something that means like the sun can you say my daughter is beautiful like the sun or is that okay or i don't know i'm just saying like where is that line between well i suppose it's like anything i do talk about the doctrine of the mean a lot in here but on one side you might have hubris and on the other side you just have like you don't think you're worth anything or you think you and everything you do is worthless and both of those are bad so you need somewhere in the middle where you're not hubristic and you're not saying you're the most important thing in the world but then you're not like really depressed and think that you're worthless and i think it's really hard to walk that line because just saying your daughter is as beautiful as the sun doesn't seem that bad i feel like there's more to this story that's been lost like this person in a way insulted the sun and said my daughter is even more beautiful than the sun or deserves beauty more than the sun or something i feel like it can't be as simple as some proud father says oh my daughter is so beautiful she's as beautiful as the sun and then cursed for eternity that seems too much i really feel like there's more of a story here that i really wish i knew unfortunately we don't but i would assume that if you're being punished for your hubris it's a little more than just you're as beautiful oh hey my daughter's as beautiful as the sun i feel like i feel like it must have been said or done in a really arrogant manner where you're like putting the sun down in a way to raise your daughter up and i think that's kind of where that hubris thing comes from if you're proud of yourself that's fine and that's good where it becomes problematic is when you think everyone else is bad because you're so good because you could say to yourself hey i'm a great person and everybody else around me is a great person and i live in a great world and that's fine that's like just being a really optimistic person which i like optimism but if you 
move to the point of saying like I'm really great and compared to me everyone's garbage that's problematic because now you're looking down on people and you're probably not being realistic because other people are probably as good as you I mean all people have quality good qualities so you're not being honest with yourself and most importantly you're just being negative because you're looking down on everyone um, ironically in this case and it'd be interesting to know if it comes in other cases of the doctrine of the mean if you're hubristic you're being really negative because you're thinking everybody else is just garbage people compared to you so that's looking down on other people now if you're the other way and you just think you yourself are worthless and you have no self-esteem at all that's negative because then you're looking down on yourself and it's only in the middle where you can be truly positive and think you as well as everybody else is are good people um, so that's kind of interesting anyway I did go on a tangent there I I did say I was going to but I did go on a tangent there um, in this story I think this story I, I really wish this story existed somewhere else maybe it does I guess I could look for it but I feel like it must have really been arrogant what they were what this person was saying or implying for their daughter to be punished in such a way I would also say and some may disagree that the daughter probably went along with it and was also being hubristic because I I think if you do something ethical you do something unethical your children can suffer for it in the sense that they'll have a harder life and you know classic idea if you're a serial killer who wants to be friends with your kids like that's gonna hang over you but I don't think you're actually gonna have divine punishment if you did literally nothing wrong so I, I feel like this story is a lot more complicated than what is in here and for most of the other things we've read in here I feel like it's assumed that you have at least a basic idea of what's going on and they're just using this to give it a little more detail and I think certainly this is another one of those cases okay and then it makes an allusion to another story I would think here it says he took two children from the earth called build and Huki as they're leaving a well called big Greer. so I am um, I wish I had more information about that um, but he says they they have a carrying pole and their father's name is vid Finn, and these children go with the moon and then it says so I wish I knew the whole story to that and it was that also a punishment because the first one says she's punished for being arrogant was that a punishment or not I don't know and the one who is punished is like right behind the Sun which is created by Muspelheim the world of fire so it sounds hot and unpleasant you know the sparks would be getting in her face or whatever so it does sound punishment he but this one just says the children go with the moon it doesn't sound as bad so who are these people and then it says as can be seen from earth so I wonder if that's like our ancestors take on the man in the moon because every culture thinks something's in the moon there's always a man in the moon idea because you know it's the moon and you can see the crater so you think they're something and we have it be a face but this seems to have seems to be like these two children and is this a punishment or is it a reward because you could see they're sort of being immortalized in the moon they don't have you know sparks flying in their face so it doesn't seem so bad so what's this story so this whole chapter here so the first thing was about um, the giantess who had a daughter that became the moon and then had a son who became day 
so it's kind of lore about where the sun and the moon come from. But then the second pa paragraph is all like these stories we don't know what are, which are which is just mentioned like we should know what they're talking about and really wish we had more information on that. Unfortunately, we don't. But, I mean, there is definitely the lesson in there of don't be hubristic, and that's a good lesson. Let's see. Let's move on. We have time for a couple more. Then spoke Ginglary. The sun moves fast, almost as, she, as if she was afraid, and she would not be able to go any faster if she was in terror of her death. Then Hai replied, it is not surprising that she goes at great speed. He comes close or he comes close who is after her, and she has no escape except to run away. Then spoke Inglary, who is this that inflicts this unpleasantness on her? Hai said, it is two wolves. The one that is going after her is called Skull. She is afraid of him and he will catch her. And the one that is running ahead of her is called Hati Rodvitinson, and he is trying to catch the moon, and that will happen. Okay, so now we have the two wolves that chase the sun and the moon, which I feel like this is classic. Everybody knows about Norse mythology, if not the names, that there are two wolves chasing, one chasing the sun, one chasing the moon. Now, and I will mention again that the children who are being punished are being chased by the wolves. Those two kids from the well, are they even aware they're being chased, or are they just in the moon? Yes, it, they will get eaten in the end, so that leans towards punishment, but they don't seem to be knowing about it, so maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. I don't know. But I do like the idea that the sun and the moon are being chased by wolves, and when they, they will catch them in Ragnarok, and that will start, be one of, be among some things that start the end of the world. Why do I like that? It's because I'm warped. No, it's, it's just... It's interesting that you have this idea that there are these two unstoppable forces which will sort of lead to the end of the world. It's the idea that we're always on a timer of some sort. Uh, there are things that are trying to end the world. And I think in reality, you know, that's the case. There are lots of natural phenomena that will ultimately destroy us. And like you can be as specific or as general as you want. You could talk about I don't know, like an asteroid hitting the Earth. Or you could just be like, well, the heat death of the universe is a thing. So it's true that we're here for a limited amount of time. And I th do think this is kind of like stressing that, being like, hey, the end of the world is always at our heels. And, and the reason it's there is not to scare us, it's taking it the wrong way, but to sort of say, almost say it's, we shouldn't even try to stop the end of the world because it's going to happen and in some extent to some extent rather we want we need to be okay with that and then you might reply depending on how long you've listened to the podcast especially well isn't the whole point of us to stop the end of the world isn't odin's whole plan to stop the end of the world doesn't he try to do that isn't that what he's after he fails most likely if we're to believe this book but he's trying to stop the end of the world so so what we should just give up shouldn't we try at least try if it's a good thing and i'll try to keep this quick because i've said it too many times and i'm sounding a bit like a broken record but no i don't think odin's goal is to stop the world from ending i think odin knows that the world has to end and wants the world to end he just knows it has to end at the right time if it ends, because 
when the world ends, it will be reborn and a new world will come. And again, kind of think of it in that forest fire, the ones in nature, not the ones stupid people start. Think of it in that forest fire sense, like if a forest just a perfectly healthy forest just burns down, you've just wasted an awful lot of time because that forest is going to have to regrow and that's not good for the forest. But as forests get really, really old, there's a natural process where, you know, the undergrowth starts choking out the trees and the forest starts dying and then a forest fire will kind of clear everything out and then it will come back strong, not stronger than it was, but healthier, healthier than it was right before the file fire. And that's like a natural cycle that the earth goes over where forests grow and then they burn and then they regrow. Um, similar things happen with people. Similar things happen with projects. You know, you have this project and you build it and you build it and you build it. And then when you finally finish it and you're like, okay, whatever, I'm done. You don't just take that project and use it as a model for your next project or you shouldn't. You completely throw it away and you start over and you have a fresh slate so you can make it even better this time. So what Odin wants to happen is for the world to end at the right time. He wants the world to end when the world is to the point that it is starting to die and that it is ready to be reborn. Much like a person. I don't, I don't want to die right now because I don't need to die right now. I'm not ready to die right now. It would be a loss for me if I were to die right now. And you know, you're like, oh, well, you'll go to the afterlife. Yes, but I still lost out on this life. That's why I don't want to die now. But when I'm 90, hopefully, if I make it to 90, then, or 100, or 120, then at that point in time, I will be ready to die and go on, you know, to the next part of existence, whatever the afterlife is. And I wouldn't want to artificially make my life last so I just live for a thousand years because I think I need that fresh slate and that starting over point. And I think the world also needs that. So I like the idea that the sun and the moon are swallowed by wolves or chased by wolves because it sort of reminds us like this life, death, rebirth cycle needs to continue. And, and it's I think it is a good thing here in this story. I think it's saying it is inevitable. There is no way to avoid it. And that is that is also true, but also that's fortunate because we want the life, death, rebirth cycle to continue forever. And here's an example of it continuing forever. So I, that is why I like it. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, shoot. I'm not going to get into another one because we're getting low on time. But I will say there's a lot of stuff in Norse mythology that centers around, or not centers around, but talks about the end of the world. Like the Ragnarok story is very famous. And I think that's a good thing because for one thing, that is sort of a, a macro version of our own lives and death. So if you can under, if you can truly understand Ragnarok, you can also understand your own mortality. And if you can come to terms with Ragnarok, you can come to terms with your own death because they kind of like work on the same way. So I really like that they're pointing out the inevitability of it here. And they're also pointing out it's wolves and wolves are violent. And I think when you have 
the end of the world, the rebirth process, or, or the I guess the death followed by rebirth process. That's kind of a violent thing or a jarring thing or a shocking thing. It's it's not necessarily like easy to go through that piece, but it is necessary. So anyway, I like that they're bringing it up here and really showing, I think more than anything here, the inevitability of it. When you read the Ragnarok story and the Earth coming back, I think it really focuses on the positivity that comes from the necessary end of the world. Where this is doing that last, but it's still in here, the inevitability of the end of the world. And I like that because it's good to know that some things just will happen and more importantly, we should be okay with that and we shouldn't try to change them. And I kind of think that's what the whole wolves things are talking about. But for the time being, I am actually going to wrap it up there. I only made it through one page. So get ready for this series to last the rest of the year. Um, now, I do hope that somebody, that people out there are enjoying it. And I don't expect you to agree with everything I say. Would I what my goal is, and if this happens, um, then I think I've succeeded, is for just for for somebody to stop for a moment and think about these stories, what they mean. Maybe maybe buy the books or read them online. There are links to the um, sacred text version, I think, in the show notes. Now, my favorite version, just because I don't know it's the one I have is this everyman version but it's not the only version out there and the sacred text ones are free so i would love it if people would go out there and read these stories and think about what they mean to you because i don't want to convince you what the stories mean i want to get you to think about what the stories mean so if that inspires if this inspires anyone to think about the stories, then I think I've succeeded. So thank you very much for uh, listening. Hopefully you got something out of it. And um, I will see you next month. But I suppose I should give the station news real quick. My website is hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. Um, and if you want to subscribe to the RSS, you can do it there under the podcast section. I've also got a super quick runes page if you just want to get like the one word answers for like, what does this room mean? There's a lot of better rune resources out there. But if you're just like, oh, I just can't quite remember what this runes mean, rune means or you're just getting into them and you want the one the one sentence version of the runes, there's a runes page. You can off dot org. So check that out and I will talk to you next month. Fra hell. <laughs>